Well, good morning, church family. And we are um, in our final week of our basics series. I hope that um, you've been, uh, I hope it's been helpful. I hope, uh, especially this time, has been helpful. We're sharing stories from people in our congregation. And so we have one, one of those today. And I'd like to uh, introduce, for those of you who don't know her, many of you likely do, but this is Lisa Gregerson. Hi. You can say hi. To, hi. Yeah. Um, Lisa loves being in the spotlight. Um, Lisa like asks me daily, "Hey, can I get up in front of people? That would be awesome." Um, and uh, and so here she is. Finally, I've given you this chance, so you're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So um, that was a little ironic and tongue-in-cheek there, if you didn't know. I did once give Jay a little plaque that said, I speak fluent sarcasm. You did. I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Robbie gives me a hard time about that. That's why it's not facing out. It's just like, I just know the shape. So um, uh, we like, we prefer irony. It has less mocking in it. So yeah. Right, Robbie? Isn't that right? Yes. Robbie corrects me all the time. Um, So uh, Lisa, do you want to share a little bit about just your journey. Today we're talking about the church and why is the church so important. And so Lisa was one of the people that we thought, um, thought of as being a good, a good person to talk about this. So you want to share just a little bit of your um, background? How long have you been a part of this church family? That good stuff. Um, so I was raised in another denomination and when I was about 19, um, I had some crisis in my life and just realized that um, maybe I needed something different. And so um, my mom and dad had become Christians before that, and so my dad had been um, very on fire, and I thought, well, that's good for you, but I really don't need that. Um, Well, then all of a sudden I thought, oh, maybe I do need that. And so that's when I um, put my faith in Jesus. And um, then I married my husband, and he used to go to North Shore, and his family and, and the Ekstroms and some other people started this church. So he's been going here since its inception, and uh, when we moved back to the area, then um, we started coming as a family, and that's been 36 years. The, wow, right? Like, she's hung with us all for that long. That's really, that's impressive. So 36 years you've been a part of this church. So what does it mean to be... Um, to you, what does it mean to be a part of the church family? Well, um, I think for my experience with our church family is that, um, you know, over 36 years, you, you see a bunch of people uh, come and go, and there's a lot of, um, over 36 years, you see a lot of crisis in people's life, a lot of pain, a lot of joy, and you get to share that, and so you become really close with people um, and you get to be a part of their growth, and they get to be a part of your growth. And I guess it's, it's really a privilege to see there's, I don't know, I, I guess I just think of people over the years who um, have prayed for us, and we have prayed for them, and we've, got, we've been able to see God work and God move, and I, I think that's something that you, that is a privilege that you get to see with some longevity that if you're in and out, you do not get the privilege of seeing. So one of the things that's obviously of value here is that we just, that we never stop growing. We never stop, we, we've never arrived. One day when we see Jesus face to face, there will be a certain, certain sense of arrival in the fact that we'll be without sin, but we'll mm-hmm. still be growing um, even in all eternity. So um, 
how have how has God changed you and shaped you over the years as far as your understanding of what does it mean to be belong to him and to be um, you know on mission with the church family and and all that like how has he changed you and grown you um, I, 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 that's such a hard question to answer but um, you know I think when we first started coming here I had little kids and so um, I attribute the fact that Dave and I are still married to some of the women in the church who taught me how to love my husband and my children. Um, so um, over the years, we've um, started, a, it was a mom's program, which became a mops program. And that's something that was really influential in terms of just, um, number one, benefiting from it, and then being able to pour into young moms' lives after that when my kids got older. Um, I just think that, um, well, I, I guess with mops, you know, that's older women teaching younger women how to love their husbands and their children. And without older women doing that for me, I think we would have been in a world of hurt. And so there's that. And then there's people coming alongside us when um, we had some challenges with our oldest son. And um, people in the church who hold you up in prayer, you, you, you cannot get by without that. Um, and so um, I think um, I was telling Jay at one point that um, when we were having some struggles with our older son, and it's heartbreaking, and I know that a lot of you have had heartbreaking things happen in your life. And um, there was somebody at that time, there were, there were people who would come up to us and say, we're praying for you. And I was amazed because it was not people that um, were that close necessarily to us, but they knew of the difficulties, and God put it on their hearts to lift us up and to pray for us. Um, but there was also um, somebody one time when it, I was feeling really vulnerable, and she came up and she said, so tell me, what's the scoop with Jason? And that was really hard. And I guess my th thought sometimes is that sometimes as a church family, we get it right, and sometimes we don't get it right because we're all fallible and we're all growing and we're all in process. And so, um, you know, sometimes that's somebody else, and sometimes it's me that doesn't get it right. And so um, I think we very much need each other to challenge us to grow, but also to show grace to each other. Because, you know, where we're at at one point is not where we're going to stay. Hopefully God is going to grow us beyond that. That's great. So, so the expectation that everyone will always treat us the way that we think that we should be is probably not a good expectation. Probably not. Probably not, yeah. No? Um, so do you, um, what else has God been teaching you? I know that you've been really shaped and formed like, um, just by uh, a passion for the, for the gospel and, and just growing uh, in that. I mean, it's one of the things that's been inspiring to me is to just see, watch you wrestle with things and to, and to trust Jesus, you know, now like instead of, because you could get to a place now you're, you're um, like almost everybody in here respects you. Like there's a couple back in the wing there that I think maybe you got to work on. But most of the people here are big fans. Uh, they love you. You've been 36 years. You've been a part of this church family. Um, you could just kind of coast at this point, um, but you haven't at all. Why, why haven't you? Like what, what, how has God shaped you and formed you with the gospel and, and just stretched you in the last several years? Um, I think that I, I would say that over the course of my Christian walk, um, 
there has been times of complacency, and so um, I feel like um, I, f I feel like when you came to the church, and I'm not saying that you, I don't even know how to say this. I heard something different when Jay came, and I don't know if it's just, it, it, it's, not the, it's not a different message, but I, maybe I heard it in a different way. So, and it became, it's hard to explain, but it's like, I think I became a Christian, and then I understood um, that now you're part of the church, and this is how you live, and this is how you should look. And I think that was part of um, being a little off track. And so when you first came, you preached a sermon on, a series on um, being off course, the, the course correction. And that really That went over awesome, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> There's no problems with that at all, but go ahead. I, this could get that good. Was, this is good. That this was really important. <laughs> that was really more. important in my life okay. because it made me realize that there are some areas in which we're in which I am off track. And so I think sometimes, too, when you look at people, you make assumptions about their walk that may not be true. And so I think definitely that could have been said about me at that time. So um, what I really appreciate about some of the things that you've said, um, some of the things that you've said. <laughs> Taking notes. <laughs> is that they've um, definitely challenged me, and it's been stuff that I've really had to think about and think um, what, what, what is meant by that and what do I need to do with that and you know there's a lot of stuff that I, I thought well I would really like to ignore that I would really like to disregard that but the Holy Spirit won't let me and so it's been really challenging in a good but hard way but one of the things I guess I've really appreciated is that um, Jay has said that it's okay to be a mess that we are a mess and yet God loves us. So I look at our church family and I think we are a mess. Families are messy and they're difficult in their heart at times. But there's, um, we have a father who will continue to help us to grow, who will continue to um, challenge us in our thinking. And um, I just, I, I don't want to be left where I am. So I'm incredibly great, grateful that God, I guess, it refuses to leave us where we're at if we will listen to him and accept the challenge that he's putting. And I, I remember Pastor Dave always used to say, um, had a phrase about God doing braille upside your head, <laughs> and you have carried on the tradition. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> being that instrument. I, I think that's really good to, to remember that it's, it's God working through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as things come and go, you know, whether it's programs or people or whatever, as those things come and go, it's the same spirit. Yeah. And so we're hearing things, sometimes we hear things differently. Like you said, sometimes we're at a place where God is saying, okay, now I'm gonna work on this in you, and whereas for a while he was doing something else, and, and you know, we are a mess. Um, you know, I'm even just reminded as you're sitting here and you say that of realizing, like, you know, that because you've kind of hung in there, we've had the opportunity where you have confronted me about, you know, uh, some things where then I've been able to ask for forgiveness and we've been able to, you, do you remember that? I do. Do you want to bring, oh, I thought, <laughs> you're looking at me all blank. I was like, we can bring all that up. No, um, this, it, it takes a lot to make me feel uncomfortable uh, in, in this environment. At least you've succeeded. Um, and <laughs> that's, a, that's a good mark. But that's part of the joy. And, yeah. um, and so uh, let me return the favor 
Um, I don't know if you were here on, uh, on Thursday, we had Shelly Majewski's funeral, and um, I'll probably mention some more of that, but it was really a gift to see the church family respond the way that, that we did, and to serve that family really well, serve one of our families really well. Um, but one of the highlights for me was um, Lisa giving uh, the eulogy um, for, for Shelly, and uh, just an incredible just to see how God has continued to shape you and form you and put you into positions that you're uncomfortable with. Um, and I just, I just couldn't have been more proud of you. I couldn't have been more excited to, to say, like, she's, she's a part of our church family. She's one of our spiritual mothers here um, that is discipling the next generation. Um, and we've seen that in uh, you heading up, being willing to head up, welcomed to make sure that uh, orphans in our community are cared for and, and foster families. Um, and, and so many other things. So it has been, it's a joy to, to have you a part of our church family. I really appreciate you kind of going out on a limb here and uh, being willing to, to be put on stage and in front of everybody to share some of that. Thank you. Yeah. All right, yeah. Uh, right before we dismiss the kids, I do want to pray. I want to pray, um, thank God for Lisa and the work that, that she's doing here. And many of you have been impacted by um, Lisa. And just know that uh, we have a lot of spiritual mothers and fathers here who um, I'm hoping will, uh, will make that investment and, and just know that if you're a, a younger um, person here, that that is one of the true riches that we have here. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. Um, I also want to pray, uh, it feels like, man, every week we've got something going on right now, and I just can't help but think that means something really big is happening. Um, but uh, we have an, an, another, um, another baby, uh, River Picard, who was in the hospital um, this week. Uh, he uh, has come home, and, but they're still kind of monitoring things, and so... Um, I just want to make sure that we lift him up in, in prayer uh, right now. Father God, we thank you that we get to come to you as we've been just praying this every week. God, it is just please, um, would you have mercy on us? Would you strengthen us and comfort us? God, thank you for Lisa's testimony. I pray that it would be an encouragement and a challenge and a comfort to many here. Thank you, God, for the work that you are doing in her and through her. Thank you for the joy, God, that it is to be able to, to be her pastor and to watch all the incredible things that you are doing through her. God, I want to lift up River to you and pray for healing for him. I pray uh, for comfort for Sam and Jess and confidence in you and that their confidence and their hope would be found in you as the great physician. Physician and that they would trust you and feel your presence very near to them. And God, I pray for your continued comfort of the Majewskis, and I pray, God, for all the other people in our church family right now, people that are just in my mind, on my heart, and on many of us where we are in places where we are ministering to others. God, I pray that we would, be, that we would bring with us the presence and the aroma of Christ to those who are hurting, and that we would weep with those who weep, and we would rejoice with those who rejoice. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you are a child up to grade six, you can go back through those doors to Faith Kids.
We have one more joyful thing. Come on, it's okay. We have one more joyful thing to do. I'm really starting to get a feel for how people feel about me with how like, they're hesitant. It is. Um, so it's not because of life. Uh, so uh, we have another uh, just wonderful thing to to be able to do here this morning, and that is to welcome in a couple of new members to our church. So, Bill and Connie, would you introduce yourselves to the church family? Sure. Uh, my name is Bill Call, and this is my wife, Connie. You're going to try it again. All right. Try it. Take two. Three, two, one. Go. Thank you. My name is Bill Call, and this is my wife, Connie, and we've been married for 38 years and coming to faith for the last four and a half. Great. So, um, so you went through the membership process and everything, and now you're ready um, to, to be kind of received into the membership. Why do you want to be a part of, of this church? Yeah, we, after we got married, uh, one thing that became uh, clear to us is that it is important for us to, be, to have a commitment to a local church. Uh, we don't, we don't, we want to be participating in the local church. We want to we wanna help the local church however we can, and, and, and they're a blessing to us as well. So it's a reciprocal uh, sort of situation where, where the church blesses us, and hopefully we can serve the church as well. And so that's uh, one of the reasons we, we prayed about it for quite some time. Uh, when we moved back here from Virginia, we were there for seven years. This is, this is home for us, but we moved there due to my work. But when we came back, we've been, we started coming to faith right away. And uh, we've enjoyed the preaching, we've enjoyed the singing, uh, the outreach of the church. And for all those reasons, we want to become members. What about you, Connie? <laughs> Anything you'd like to add to that? No. No? <laughs> ditto, ditto. <laughs> No, and biblically, you know, I guess we're to be members of a church, and it did take us a while. It took me a while, but um, yeah, same thing, just to be involved. Okay. Well, it's really been a joy to get to know you guys, and um, and uh, you've probably seen them around serving. Connie is smiling and greeting people. You've probably been greeted by her, and um, I'm actually holding Bill back from teaching um, and going back in the with the fifth and sixth graders, right? So. Um, but Jeff Clossie's with them right now, so it's slightly... Well taken care of. It's well, well taken care of. That's nice. Yeah, they are well taken care of right now. So, um, so what we do with this is we just... Um, I, I, we, if you are a member of this church, uh, we, we welcome people in through a vote. That may seem weird if you're new here or you don't understand how that works. It's not a, a vote of like um, approval, but what it is is it's, um, it's more of a, the congregation saying, yes, we, we recognize Bill and Connie as becoming a part of our church family. And so when you say, yes, I, uh, I, I vote for that, then what you're also saying is I commit um, to supporting them and taking responsibility for them and loving them in all the ways that Lisa um, articulated so well uh, during the testimony. So um, they have been put forward by the elders as approval for the membership. So if you are a member of Faith Church um, and you would approve of them for membership and commit to supporting them in that way, please respond by saying, I will. Anyone not? We'll mark the giggles, but I don't think that's what that meant. So, um, uh, well then, let me pray for you guys. Father, we thank you. Thank you that we get to be a part of a church family, and thank you uh, for Bill and Connie. God, it's been a joy to have them be a part of our church family. And uh, God, I know the journey that you have brought them on to, to be here. And uh, just so thankful, God, for what you are doing in them and through them. And I pray, God, that you would bless them as they become uh, a part of our church family, members of this body, that you would uh, equip them 
and that you would give, help us to equip them for every good work and um, that they would be able to build up this church family, this body in love and that they would stir one another up to good works. God, help us to be family for them and bless them in their being family with us. God, thank you that we get to be family through Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it's fitting on this day to, as we talk about um, the church and we talk about being a part of the church, that we kind of end this series uh, with the church. And, and it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a good place to put this. We talked about, you know, we mentioned Jeff the last two weeks did a great job talking about um, the word and prayer. And he mentioned why we talk about it at the end, um, you know, after we talk about what it means to belong to Jesus and about the mission of Jesus. Like a lot of times in our culture, we think, well, the first thing that if someone is going to belong to Jesus, the very first thing that they need to know is, is how to read the Bible. And there is a lot of wisdom in that. But what we wanted to say was, the lens that we read the Bible through matters. And reading the Bible as a disciple and realizing that the reason we get to read the Bible is because we have been adopted by God through Jesus Christ, because we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us to understand it. And to read it um, in, in, in a way that's different to that um, is actually destructive. And we see that all through the New Testament. To, to read the Bible um, as a legal document or as a textbook or anything like that, that just as intellectual information apart from the Spirit, is actually dangerous. And then we wanted to talk about prayer through that same lens and understanding our mission and our calling in the world and the things that, that matter. And so that helping us helps us with our prayer. And then the same thing with, with church. So being a part of a church family, now that we understand and are able to walk through, and as you're discipling people and helping them understand, well, why, why is church important? Well, it's only important um, because of all the things that have come before. It's important because of how we belong to Jesus and how we are to be with and abide with Christ and how we are to uh, become like him. It it's matters in the, in the context of the mission that we have been given together uh, it matters in, in the context of, of like what are, what are our methods and how do we function together and how do we measure that success and how do we read the Bible and how do we pray and all these things then filter to, okay, well then how do we do all of that together? And we put on the, the front of our bulletin that we are God's family on mission and that's just a succinct way of saying this is who we believe God has called us to be as the local church. And it's an important conversation because many people say today, even more so today, um, I, I don't have to be a part of the church to follow Jesus. I can be a Christian, I can have my faith, but, then, um, but church is a, a separate thing. And then now, even more, we have a, a different version of that, is I don't have to be in person in, in church. I don't have to be a part of a specific church. Like, I can... I can experience church through, I can listen to whatever preacher I want to, whatever worship band I want to, whatever songs. I can create my own playlist, my own sermon set, my own, like all of those different things. I can kind of create my own community from some Christians that I know. And so I can kind of form this like quasi, like church looking thing. And yet that's not the way the Bible talks about the church. Next year, we're actually going to go through the book of Acts. I'm really 
excited about that as we really focus on missions. And one of the passages that we will get to look at, I will just touch on today, but it's this picture of the church that gripped me. When I decided that I wanted to go into ministry, and specifically when I decided that I felt like God was calling me into church planting to go start a church, the passage that just gripped me was one that is very common to people who are in the church. Describing the first church, it said, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those for being saved. And that passage gripped me because it wasn't what I had experienced in the church. What I had experienced in the church felt more like a, a club that, that people were a part of. It felt a lot like a, a duty, something that people were, you were just supposed to do. There were definitely good points and, and bad. There were, there were good moments in that. But overall, I would look at this passage and I would say, I don't, I don't see these things happening. I don't know what's actually, like I look at that and I say, I, say, I, don't, I don't know that I've ever experienced that. And that's what gripped me was believing that if God would do that in the beginning, that he would do it with us. That where we live and the time we live and the people we're surrounded by, like none of that would inhibit God from doing this. The community that's there, the, the selfless giving, the radical generosity, seeing, being in awe every day as to what God was doing, seeing the Lord add to their number day by day those who are being saved. And that's what motivates me. That's what makes me press on. And even in our church plant in Colorado, even at the height, I never like full, never looked at this and been like, oh, we arrived. But there have been moments where I've experienced more of that and moments where I've experienced less of that. And I'm sure if you've been a part of the church for very long at all, any church, this church, another church, you could look back on your life and hopefully see some times where you say, there are times where our church family has functioned more like this and times where it's been less like that. But it's what makes me get up in the morning. It's what makes me say, like, I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not settling for anything less than what I believe God has for us. But in order to do that, we have to go opposed to the culture. If we want to lay hold to this kind of experience, then we have to confront some of the things that, some of the ways that we view church some of the ways that we participate in the church and that we think about it. And we have to be willing to do that, all of us together. We can't, any one of us, say, oh, well, I, I know exactly what that looks like, and it, it looks like these things, and I fully experienced that. And if everybody just saw church the way I do, well, then we would all be in this boat. We would all be experiencing Acts 2. If that's our mindset, then we'll actually never lay hold to this. The view that for so long in, in our culture of, of church was just, that's what good people do. It's where you go to learn morals, you learn good teaching. Some people believe it more than others, but you just, you go and you're a part of it. 
And that has changed over the last 40 years or so into a very consumeristic view because our culture is very consumeristic. And so that has eked its way into the church. And so what I want to do today is just simply look at, okay, what is the church? What's broken about sometimes the way that we view the church? Even if we wouldn't articulate it fully, but, but what is actually going on about how we view the church and then how do we participate in it? And this is what I would encourage you as you're discipling people, that this is what you should talk to them about. When you talk about the church, when somebody comes to Christ, and then you have to tell them, like, well, this is why it's important. This is what the church is, and this is how you participate it. Participate in it. So what is the church? And, and I would say, for most people, especially when, when I've discipled new believers, it's often different than what they think it is. And so I want to kind of frame this by pointing out three ways, three things that our culture, kind of our culture has started to view the church as in such ways that it's just become normal to us. Like we don't even realize how this kind of seeps in because it's just so normal. But then what scripture says and what God says that contrasts that. And so I, I guarantee when we look through these that every single person in here, including myself, has thought like this, okay? So before we go further, just acknowledging that we're in a safe place here. Every single one of us, I would guarantee, has viewed the church in one of these ways and has seeped in in some way. And I just want to tell you that the, the hope is that we can confront that and we can repent of that and we can receive from our gracious Father all the good gifts that he has for us. So see if any of these sound familiar. The, the first thing that I see in the church culture as a whole is that we view church as like a spiritual Walmart. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a provider of spiritual goods and services. So we, we talk about like I, when I'm searching for a church, like I want a church that carries the products I like best. So I like this particular brand of, of milk. Like I go to, whether I choose to go to Costco or Walmart or Aldi or whatever, everybody has their favorite generic brand, right? And so you all have the thing where you're like, okay, if I'm going to get generic, then I'm, I'm getting the Aldi generic. That's what I'm doing. And like, I like them because I, like I like how they're set up. I like their structure. And so that carries over because we're so consumeristic and we're so driven in our culture by that. And businesses cater to that because they're businesses. They're supposed to. And, and so they try to lay things out in the right way, provide the services, provide the products that people want. And so the church gets sucked into that. We start looking at the church and say, well, I want, I want the church that carries the products that I want. I like, I like conferences. I like big services. I like Sunday school classes. I like Awana. I like very specific doctrines or very specific style uh, of preaching. And I go, and, and so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the, these products that I'm going to consume. And by the way, I, my attendance shows that because I go when I need something. Like, does anybody just go to Walmart every day just for fun? Right? Okay, maybe a couple of people just wandering the aisles. Just like, hey, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what special. I wonder what display they put on today. Like, just curious. No, you go when you need something. Right? You go when you need to grab milk. You know, go when you need to grab, like, all the stuff. You go to Costco when you need 500 rolls of toilet paper. That's when you go. You don't go. Nobody runs into Costco to grab a half gallon of milk. Right? Like, you go when you need it, why you need it. 
And when you go and when you need that thing, you want that thing. So we go to church and we say like, okay, I need, I need a good sermon. And then you get here and I don't do my best. It's not my best. And you walk away and like, nah, it wasn't, it wasn't quite as good. Or you like a particular worship team or whatever the case is. And so we see it as this provider of spiritual goods and services, this organization, like a, like a business. But that's not what the Bible calls it. The Bible calls us a family. That we are adopted as sons and daughters and reconciled to God through that and thus reconciled to one another. If he is our father, then we are brothers and sisters. And so one of the shifts for me in my mindset about the church was realizing and confronting all the ways that I saw church as the spiritual Walmart and, and switching that and saying, no, it is a family formed together. Like what happens in your house if you make dinner and you work hard to make dinner and somebody at the table goes, mm, I don't really like casserole. Does that go over well? It's weird, right? Like if I'm in a restaurant, that totally makes sense. Like if I order fajitas and you bring me like a hamburger, then I'd be like, um, this isn't what I asked for. But in my house, if you do that, bad things, man. <laughs> you don't do that. I mean, imagine, imagine my, my daughter, my daughter isn't this age yet, but imagine like her bringing home a, a boyfriend, maybe from college, to meet the family, right? <laughs> and imagine, see, some of you see where I'm going with this. All right, so imagine if he entered um, saying, uh, so uh, Mr. Williams, uh, what kind of family vacations do you offer here? If I ask him what he means, he's like, oh, well, I mean, this other girl that I'm dating, their family goes to Disney every year. So it's kind of a good deal, right? Like, so I'm just curious, like, do you have a cabin? Do you have, like, what, what, what's the vacation package like? Any guesses as to how I might respond in that situation? Like, it's weird, right? That would be super weird because family is not defined by the vacations that they take or by the size of their house or by what is stocked in their refrigerator. Family is defined by the people in it. It's defined by the connections and the love and the sacrifice for one another. That's what defines family. I tell people all the time when they're looking for a church, look for a church where people are following Jesus in a way that is inspiring to you and latch on to them. Don't worry about the spiritual goods and services they offer or don't offer. Find that place. We had a, one of the first people um, that came and was a part of our church early on in, in Denver was this young young single woman who uh, worked at the Starbucks and we just uh, shared the gospel with her and she kind of rededicated her life to Christ and so she decided she needed to be a part of a church and she sat down with me and she, um, she said, okay, well, I'm really interested. I feel like I've committed my life, recommitted my life to Christ. I want to be a part of a church. Um, tell me about, uh, she could, could you tell me about your young adult ministry? Now, we had 12 people in our church at the time, Okay. You could say they were young, but not what she was talking about, right? So we were just a bunch of families. We had like six families. That was it. And so what I told her was, you don't, you don't want that. That's not what you're actually looking for. You're not looking for a group of people that you just fit in perfectly with, and then you go and you, and, and you talk about your cell phone plan or whatever. You drive 45 minutes, and then maybe you go out to eat, and then you come home, drive another 45 minutes. What you need is family. 
What you need are people who will take you in and love you and show you how to follow Jesus. And she stuck and became one of, just an incredible member of our, of our church family. Because family sticks together. Family sticks together even when it's difficult. I love that Lisa, part of her story is how the church let her down at times. And look, I, I look around this room and I see people that I have let down. I see people that I have failed in different ways. And I see a lot of people who have said, yeah, but this is my family. And we stick together. So moving from this consumeristic Walmart view to this family view is critical. Second one is we sometimes view it as a, a social club. It used to be when I was growing up, they would talk about the country club. But it's a social club. This, this idea that like, okay, the church is where I go to make friends. I move into a new town. I want to make sure I'm a member at a church or, or start going to a church because I can find people that look like me. Kind of like what Jess was looking for, what our friend in Colorado was looking for as, as to saying like, hey, I, want, I need people that I can be friends with. I need people I can hang out with, people that are in my same life stage and my same personality who like the same things that I like. And so we, that kind of comes out when we say like, I, I expect friendships to form quickly and easily around the things um, that I like most. And if it doesn't happen quickly and easily and around the things that I like most, then I'll probably like bounce around. And certainly if, if people, um, certainly if people treat me poorly or if I have a bad interaction with anybody, then, then I'm probably gone. That's very much like a, a social club. It's very much like a, a, like a country club feel. And, and in that, you kind of, because that's kind of the, the feel, like we got to all make sure that we look a certain way and act a certain way. But the, the church is far less like a social club and more, far more like a hospital. You know, Jesus said he did not come for the well, but he came for the sick. All of us are sick. All of us are infected. You think, you think COVID is a bad pandemic? Like sin is far worse and far more reaching. And it infects all of us. And by grace, through Jesus Christ, God has said, I've given you victory over that, but you're still gonna, we're still gonna walk in the midst of this. Like in a hospital, you're not surprised to have sick people around. That'd be kind of weird, right? Kind of weird if you walked into a hospital and you're kind of looking around and you're like, oh, there's a lot of sick people here. You're like, yeah, it's a hospital. That's kind of why we exist. And imagine going to, um, imagine going to a hospital and you have a broken leg. Imagine going into the ER and you say, like, uh, before I get admitted here, um, that floor, the floor that you're going to put me on, like, do you have a lot of other people my age on that floor? There are other people. Do they like fishing? Because I'd like to be on a floor where people like fishing. Like, come on. That's weird, right? Who cares? You have a broken leg. That needs attention. We need to bring healing here. Imagine, imagine complaining about like, oh man, that, that guy next door is moaning too much in pain. Could you please quiet him down? Like, that's odd. But we do that. We start to look at a church and we are uncomfortable when people are messy around us. We're uncomfortable when, when the addict comes in or someone comes out of prison or someone whose life is just kind of disheveled and their kids are kind of running all over the place 
And it's just like, it's just less comfortable. It just would be easier if we were just all polished, like me. Right? It sounds gross when you say it out loud, doesn't it? So you're welcome for me taking it and taking the bullet there and doing it. Jesus came for the sick, not the well. This is a place, the church is a place for people who know they are broken not for people who think they have it together and have no patience for people who don't. And that's good news for you and me who are broken. Finally, the movie theater or the live concerts. We have this view of the church. So we have the view that it's the spiritual Walmart. We can have this view that it's like this social club where I'm just supposed to connect really quickly with everybody. And then we have this view of like a, a movie theater, that the church is a provider of a spiritual experience. So the music should feel like the concert that I want to go to. The message should be entertaining and, and not too long, but not too short, just right at the sweet spot. And if we could have some other element worked into the service to kind of make the time go faster and to keep my attention, like that would be, that would be great. But we do, it kind of seeps in. We all kind of feel it. I've done it. Man, I, I go visit another church and I will start to do that. I'll be like, oh, this is, well, that, that music went kind of south. Oh, that, that transition wasn't great. Like, I'm not saying I used to do that years ago. I'm saying that when I go visit a church now, that stuff comes, comes creeping in. And I have to confront it and say, what is wrong with you? I I just, this idea that we're meant to be entertained, but the, the Bible doesn't describe it as a movie theater as much. It's far more described like a boot camp. And the idea that when you go to basic training in the military, they say, like, we're not here for your entertainment. We're here for your equipping. We're training you for something. Imagine reporting for, for basic training in the military, and after the first chewing out from a drill sergeant... You go up to him and you say, hey, love the energy, but you kind of lost me in the last couple of minutes. I feel like you could have landed that plane a little faster, a little bit better. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked it overall, but like you could maybe tighten things up and hey, would it, would it kill you to throw in a skit every once in a while? Like that could be good. What would happen? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous because the military, the, like the basic training is not there for your entertainment. It's there to equip you and to train you for something. And so are we. Jesus says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And he tells Peter, I tell you, when Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, he says, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. For years, since, since really the 80s, in a desire to reach out to more people, which is a good thing, we got it in our heads that we're supposed to, to entertain people, that the best way to get people to come, like we want more people in church, and so we need to entertain them. 
And so we've made church more like a concert or a movie, and then people would come. But that makes no sense if we're to take Jesus seriously. We had, um, when we were in Central Asia years ago, we went into this church, and it was interesting because it, it was in a Muslim nation where you, they weren't allowed, like you could not allow a Christian group to meet in your place of business. It's not like here. If, you, if we wanted to meet at the school gym or something like that, we could rent it out. It'd be fine. But there, you couldn't do that. And so they had to meet in the only business that already was such a black mark on the community that they, um, that they, could, they could take the hit of letting Christians meet there. And so we attended church in a brothel. And so we walk in and on Sunday morning and I walk by the, the children's ministry that they're all lined up and sitting there learning about Jesus with bottles of vodka all behind them. And then we go into the area where they're going to worship and on the stage where who knows what's going on 12 hours before, they're up there singing worship. They're singing worship to Jesus. And as they start to play the first song... I recognize the tune, and it is one of the oldest, cheesiest praise songs that you could possibly imagine. If you remember, like the worship, like the first praise movement kind of thing, like just if you remember any of those songs, just I'm not going to say what song it is, but I just want you to picture what is the song that you roll your eyes at the most when if if you were to hear it. Don't say it out loud, please, but. But just, just think about that. And so that's what I walked into. I'm there and I start to hear the song and I'm like, oh, brother. Like we couldn't export a little newer song, some newer songs here? Like this is, seriously? And they start singing. And they're singing in their language that I don't understand. And as I realize and I start to get over myself, I look around and I notice there's something different about the way that they're singing. I start looking around and realizing, oh, the difference right now between the way we were kind of trying to sing along in English and the way that they were singing along in their language was that we were singing like we were singing at a concert and they, our band just played like our least favorite song and we're hoping it gets over soon. They were singing as if their lives depended on the truth of the very words they were singing. And I was like, that's different. Because they were being equipped for something. Because they knew that they were giving up everything to gather together and to worship Jesus together. They understood that the church was not there to entertain them, but to equip them and to hold them fast in the face of great persecution. Mike Statura said, The mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. I think that's critical. And that drives a lot of our philosophies here. I want people to be here. I want people to come. I, I want people to, to get together and worship Jesus. But we measure that, we measure the impact of our church by our sending capacity. And I don't just mean sending internationally, though we will and we want to keep doing that. But I mean like in the workplace, like we send you out every single week to your neighborhoods, your workplaces, your schools, everywhere, to your families. We want to send you powerfully and equipped for this great work. 
And if our church is going to be effective in the next decades, it will be measured by that sending capacity, not the seating capacity. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, this purpose of the church, talking about this. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And know that is not just volunteering in the things that we put on. That is the work of the ministry, which is demonstrating and declaring the kingdom of God come to earth. That's the work of the ministry. Loving one another, caring for one another, building one another, seeing people come to Christ. And so that's what, the, what we were given, the, these apostles, prophets, and evangelists, and shepherds, and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Yeah. We exist to equip you for the work of ministry so that when every member is working properly, then we are built up in love growing under the head who is Christ. That's what the church is for. Now, I think it's important to throw a little disclaimer out there to say like, okay, well, gosh, seems awfully intense. And I do want to say there's, there's a couple of other people, groups of people who, um, like there's really only three types of people that the Bible will talk about or that the church really talks about when it comes to like who makes up you know, our church family. Um, one is a, a seeker. So some of you are here that you don't know if Jesus is real. Maybe you were invited by a friend. Maybe you just showed up. Maybe, maybe you've been questioning your faith. And so you're just trying to figure that out. And we'd say every week how glad we are that you are here and understand that all this that we're talking about, it's because and the reason why we structure things the way we do and we function the way we do is because I believe that what you are seeking is something real. Like you don't need more entertainment in your life. You have Netflix. That's enough. What you're looking for, what I believe you're looking for is, is God real? And if so, what does that mean? And so I believe that the best way to help you see that God is real is for the children of God to function as the children of God. Because that's what God says he knew. He forms us as a people. He sets us on a city in the hill so that people would see us and glorify our Father in heaven. And so I believe that the best way for you is to come in and, and see people genuinely worshiping God. See people genuinely loving one another. To put on display our love for God and our love for one another. And if that draws you, then that's the Holy Spirit working in your life. Another, another side person that I think is important to just draw attention to is, is to the Christian refugee. That's the Christian who is, is homeless. 
looking for healing every week, all the time. We have, we have new people coming every week, and when we have, some of those people are brand new to the faith. They're unchurched. They don't come from another church. They're seeking. They're invited, whatever. And then we have other people who come because they've either been wounded, or they've been struggling, or they are looking for a different church for some reason. And they're looking for a refuge. They're looking for a safe place to heal. And that's a critical part of our church. And this church was that, was that place, safe place for healing for me and for my family seven years ago. And it's largely why I'm here today. And so we want to be that for other people. But there's only one other category that we see in Scripture. And that would be what Charles Spurgeon would call the missionary. Spurgeon said that every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. And the reality is that missionaries want to be equipped, not entertained. So hopefully what you can see is that the purpose of the church is actually far bigger than we often give it credit for. It is far more important than Walmart or a social club or a concert experience. And I know that for many people, if you're sitting there saying like, well, I've been a Christian for a long time and I've just, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't classify myself as a missionary, but I don't think I'm a refugee. I just want you to know, like, again, safe place. This is what we're trying to move us all towards so that we can experience everything that God has for us. Like, I don't want a seeker to be a seeker forever. I don't want a, a refugee, someone who's seeking refuge, to be there forever. I want them to be healed and restored and to be able to, to be equipped to go and, and do the work of the ministry. Like, that's the desire. But we all battle these different views of the church. And I just want us, to, if nothing else, to realize the church is far bigger and far more important than we even realize. There's lots of ways that the Bible describes the church as bride of Christ, dwelling place of God, city on a hill, but it also describes it as his very body. Like, think about that for a second. How many times have you said, I hear this all the time, so I'm just going to take a flyer and assume that you probably thought the same thing. How many times have you thought or said, man, I think it would have been so much easier if Jesus was physically present just here with me like he was for the disciples. He is. He is. If we don't believe that, then we don't believe what he says about the church. We are his body. We are the continuation of the incarnation and the mission of God. Indwelled by the Holy Spirit, formed together, filling different roles and being the body of Christ, we can give the physical comfort and compassion. We can speak words of truth and love. We can offer prayers of encouragement. In Ephesians 2, Paul talks about how we are separated and alienated, having no hope, and how Jesus brought peace through the cross, bringing us near. And he concludes with the statement. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, that's you, and members of the household of God, that's all of us, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is where God dwells. If that's not important, I don't know what is. And I've seen so many people settle for a false version of church. If it's a spiritual Walmart, then I, I don't need it. I've, I've got Amazon. I can get all the studies that I want. I can order everything I want. I don't even need, I don't even need to deal with the traffic or parking or finding a seat or whatever. If it's a social club, look, I'm good. I've got friends. I've got some Christian friends at work. I've got some Christian friends here. I can kind of pick and choose the family that I want around me, and that works great. If it's a movie theater, then I'm good. Like, I, I've got plenty of entertainment. If I want something better or spiritual for that entertainment, then I can watch far better preachers from the comfort of my own couch. But if it's the vehicle of God to be salt and light, that we together are that, not individually, but together, then it is far bigger than those things. This is God's chosen vehicle to declare his glory to all nations. And you think about for a second the testimony that is in the culture, right? People are asking, is it possible to have unity? Here it is. Only if you have something bigger to be united around. Is it possible to see miracles or are those just make-believe? Here it is. Is it possible to actually be known and loved for who I really am and not the persona that I put out there? Here it is. Is it possible to get a second chance? Here it is. That's the kingdom of God. And so as we function as his family, loving one another, caring for one another, as his bride being presented as holy and spotless, as his body being the continuation of the incarnation, the physical presence of Jesus. All of that shows people how the kingdom of God works and who this king is. It is that important. So I just want to wrap up. That first was supposed to be much shorter, but I got too excited about it. This was the wrong day to wear a sweater. Um, <laughs> But I do want to give you some practical help of how to participate. So once you're, if you're discipling someone, you get them, they're like, I get it! It's a big deal! Now what do I do? Number one is show up. Show up. Being a part of the body of Christ is much more than showing up, but it's not less than that. Does that make sense? Right? Committing to be at weekly worship together is critical. Something incredible happens here. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, the physical presence of other believers is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Anybody want to amen that? Let me, let me try again. The physical presence of other believers is a source of incomparable joy and strength to the believer. Amen. Yeah. Right? Family dinner doesn't make you a family, but if that's how you function in those rhythms, then it's certainly not less than being together for that. And I do want to say a word, because I know we have people joining online, and we've had that in, in, in all these situations, and I just, here's what I want to say. I get it. I get it. 
We are in a strange time right now. But I just want to say, be careful. Be careful. Worship is not a show that can just be streamed and you can have the same experience. There's a something about physically being present, whatever that looks like. So that's one. Another is take responsibility. Don't look to others. We've used this illustration before, but if you're at grandma's house for dinner and the dishes need to be done, and you look around and say like, ah, dishes aren't really my spiritual gift, but Johnny over here is really good at that, grandma's going to smack you. <laughs> Grab a towel and jump in, right? Serve, give. We'll talk more about this in the coming weeks of how do we live this radical, generous life that God has given us in, during the Advent series. But jump in, take responsibility, love people who are hard to love. Don't look for somebody else to do that. When we love people who are hard to love, we represent Christ who loved us when we were hard to love. It's a beautiful picture of the gospel. Another way is invite. Take somebody with you. Different studies have shown different numbers, but I'll throw this one out. This is like an average of all the ones that I could find. There was a range. But on average, when they do this study, they find, they ask the question of unchurched people, people who don't go to church, if someone invited you to church, would you go? Do you know what the answer, the, the percentage of people who say yes? 75%. There's a false narrative out there that people are just like, I'm anti-Jesus, I'm anti... They can be anti-whatever they want, but when the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of them and places you there and says, hey, come with me. I want to tell you about this Jesus who has changed my life and I want to connect you with the people who are pursuing him. And not just with worship, but have them come and serve with you. Take somebody with you. And then finally, be accountable. Submitting to the church family. Being unity and in unity with the church family, majoring on the majors. There's an old joke of churches that, that fall apart because of the choice of car- carpet color. And it would be funny if it wasn't so true and if I hadn't seen it happen so many times. Like, would you divide this Thanksgiving coming up this week? Are you going to divide over in your family over cranberry sauce? Whether it's like made with real cranberries or the canned cranberries? Spoiler, they're both gross. But. <laughs> Or like over which pies are being made. Like, that's it. No pumpkin pie. I'm out. Over what time dinner is. Like, and if your family did divide over that, could you agree? Could we all agree it wasn't a very strong family to begin with? Membership is a good practical step in that. That's why we have membership. It's a way of us to say, Bill and Connie stand up here and say, I'm covenanting with you. Is that mandated in scripture? No. But is it a helpful tool that's given and, and there's, there's foundation of it? Absolutely. This idea that I'm in, I'm submitting to you, you're submitting to me, we're going to take care of each other, I'm covenanting with you. It is important. Hebrews 10 says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
And then later it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give, have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So what step would you take? And just, by the way, because it mentions that the leadership that's here, the elders that lead you and love you and care for you, one of the things that happens in a false view of church is that we then have a false view of leadership. And so if it's Walmart, then we think of the pastor um, as CEO. And that the, the, the thing is like, okay, we've got we to be growing financially, we've got to be growing all this stuff. That's like this idea of the CEO. If it's a social club, then we want somebody that we can relate to that's kind of our age and kind of in the same life stage. If it's a concert, then we want a good performer. But the Bible tells us what we should be looking for in our leaders. 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 talk about the elders being above reproach and respectable and hospitable and able to teach and not violent and gentle and not arrogant or quick-tempered or quarrelsome, not a lover of money, leads his home well, well thought of by outsiders. Can I just tell you how terrifying it is for me on a daily basis to know that these are the things that I'm being held to and that I'm just like on display and my family's just on display? But we do that because we're called by God and say, okay, not perfect in this stuff. We strive for these things. And the Bible tells us what's expected of us, just so you know, when you're wondering like, okay, well, who, what do what these leaders do? Like, we have to give an account to God for the watching over your souls. Like, anybody at Walmart giving an account to God for if you're able to find the milk fast enough? They're not. We take that responsibility to care and to feed and protect and to lead. And I need you to hear something from me. I'm not afraid of you. I do not fear budgets or people leaving the church or losing my job. I fear the Lord. And James says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. That's what keeps me up at night. I don't fear you, but I love you. I weep over you when you face cancer or you lose a child or you're abandoned. Our hearts, the elders' hearts, break with you. And it crushes me when I can't be there, if we're stretched too thin or there's whatever's going on. And it crushes me at times when we, when we warn and we give counsel and then it's ignored and then things end poorly. I grieve when the gospel falls on deaf ears. I, when I plead for people to, to trust in Jesus and stop messing around with the mediocre faith and it gets met with a yawn. like that, There's a cost to that to my soul. I get frustrated when I see us all of us settling for something less than what Jesus has called us to. But it's totally worth it. Because I get a front row seat to miracles. And I rejoice. I get excited when you start a prayer ministry in your community. Do you know we have that going on right now? Multiple Bible studies and prayer ministries going on in assisted living homes in the area. By our church family. When you share the gospel at your workplace when you show up in big numbers to provide funerals like you did on Thursday for the Maeskis, I was stunned and just blown away by the response for them. 
decorating their house for Christopher and early Christmas, bringing all the food, people volunteering in the nursery, people volunteering to come and set up and to clean up, people who sat with the family from the eulogy to leading music, all of these things. And one of the things that their family said over an extended family that visited in said to me, I don't know how many times, this is an amazing church. And I was like, it is. And I get to be a part of it. And it is an incredible joy. And so this is what the family of God is. We love each other. We serve each other. We grow together. We have challenges. We forgive one another. You have grace with me as I struggle and make missteps and fall and fall into sin. And we have accountability. And you have elders who love you and are committed to praying for you. So I just want to encourage you, think, what needs to change about how you see the church? And what step will you take in participating in it? If you're a seeker here, I would encourage you, come to Jesus. Commit your life to him. If you are here seeking healing, you're a Christian that feels homeless right now and you're seeking healing, just show up and be here and be loved on and cared for and don't feel any guilt about any of the other stuff that you felt guilt for in the past. Just be here and be loved. If you're a missionary, then take responsibility. Dive in. And let's pursue what Christ has for us together. Let's pray. Father God, you are good and you are holy and you are sovereign. And Lord Jesus, you are the shepherd of this church. God, even as we talk about the church as a hospital, I'm just so mindful that you, Jesus, are the only one who is cured. The rest of us are the sick helping the sick. But you are the great physician. You are the great shepherd. You are the way, the truth, and the life. We are submitted under you. We have been reconciled to God our Father through you. And so we worship you. God, help us to experience all that you have for us in the church. Forgive us for other ways that we have viewed the church. And help us to see it the way that you see it. As your bride, as your body, as the light of the world empowered by the Holy Spirit, the very dwelling place of God. Let us be over, overcome with awe and wonder at the thought of that. In Jesus' name, amen.